my name is Dipper. And this is the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And today, I got a little something a little special for you. Uh, obviously, that was not Matt's voice. Matt is out of town because he's lame and uh, has work and stuff. So uh, I, I have Dipper on here. So Dipper, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, hi, I'm Dipper Satterfield. Uh, I play in a local band called It's All Grizzly. And uh, Gabe hit me up and he's like, hey, can you talk about this album? And I was like, yes, yes, I can. Absolutely. And today, uh, the album that we're going to be talking about is Rivers of Niles, The Work. Uh, this album was released on September 24th of 2021 on Metal Blade Records. Rivers of Nile is Jake Diefenbach on lead vocals, Brody Utley on lead guitar keyboards, Adam Biggs on bass, backing vocals and lyrics, John Topor on rhythm guitar, and Jared Klein on drums and backing vocals. Uh, Dipper, why don't you go ahead and just bring it in and just tell me your uh, first impressions on this album. Uh, I've never listened to them before, um, but when I first got into it, I was pleasantly surprised because you told me they were like a they're called death tech technically yeah kind of yeah yeah and i was it just kind of like just it kind of just built it into itself like the way this album kind of flowed was very surprising in my honest opinion because i wasn't expecting where it was gonna go and expect the lyrics I didn't expect how dark it was. Yeah, yeah, it is. the lyrical content. We'll, we'll get into that here in a second, but yeah, it is. It was a really dark record. Yeah, it was super I, dark. I found it just kind of interesting, especially the way that it juxtaposes with the the concept of the album. Um, it was definitely interest interesting for me going in as a relatively new listener of Rivers of Nile. Uh, we originally were going to be doing this record because Matt wanted to, but then Matt had to be lame. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna—he's gonna listen to this at some point, and so I know he's just gonna hear me calling him lame the whole time. <laughs> and he's like, "All this information is wrong." <laughs> exactly, and I can't wait for that because I'm also a relatively new listener to Rivers of Nile. Uh, there were definitely elements of this album that I enjoyed, but a lot of elements that I felt were kind of out of place. Um, it felt like a deathcore crossover with like a dark version of '80s songs. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. Yeah, uh, my roommates, you know, likes those guitar solos, and those guitar mm-hmm. solos will. Practically oh, yeah, like the, 80s, like the tone was phenomenal, but yeah, like the, the scales and everything like that were just straight up indicative of like 80s. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. One uh, one review I saw online called them kind of like just the metal Pink Floyd, which yeah, it, I, it like, did. I, it I did. get it stylistically speaking, like it. it, it I, I don't really know that I can come up with a better comparison for it. <laughs> no, it really went. It took like some parts you were just like, hmm, and then it would go left field, and you were like. Where what had just happened in yeah. this in this situation? Yeah, it, it was a very uh, interesting mix. Uh, how are you feeling musically on it? I think those dudes are super talented. All of them are, are ungodly talented for what I saw and what I heard. Um, I probably listened to it again, honestly, just to get a, another feel for it. But it was, it was they were really talented. Mm-hmm. The writing ship as a lyricist is. Let you know that it was it was dark and bitter the yeah. whole entire time. So it conveyed its message that I thought I was getting from it, but then you told me the con- the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so the the concept that uh, that we're referencing here, um, the the work is the follow up album to their 2018 release, where Owls Know My Name, which was really the big release that kind of put them on the map. Uh, as a result of that, they were able to sm- move over to touring full time. Obviously, with the pandemic, their things slowed down for them in that regard, but. Uh, they were able to move to touring full-time and making that their primary job. And so the work was really entailing the struggle for an artist on really separating the artistry and the monetary dependency that results as a, as someone who is... Uh, or the monetary dependency that comes with the result of being successful as a band. And... I definitely identified a lot with that concept throughout the record, just because that's always been a really big pain point of mine. Is I always want to be able to do something with my music, but I never want to be. Able, I never want to have to sacrifice the artistic appeal of it in order to have any sort of fame or success. Yeah, it's, and, it's, that's super hard. Just, I think that's any artist in general. Though, it, like, yeah, it yeah. is, and like there, there'll be the ones that will just push it aside out of the way, and they'll make it big, and they'll do great things, and make awesome music. But then there's the side of me that I'm just like, I, I don't think I'm willing to sacrifice that, even if that means that I get to play music as a living. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can go arena rock, you know, from what yeah. I play. <laughs> I play southern metal, but then it's like one day they're like, hey, we're arena rock now. It's like we're on the, the Maroon 5. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I can make that 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 cut mm-hmm. for that music. I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'll just stay with what I'm doing. Eventually, there'll be people who like me, and you'll be modestly 
have modest fans. I mean, exactly. Like you can build up your local following and enjoy yourself in that regard. But yeah, to, to sacrifice the, the artistic desire that you might have to move forward with monetary gains is, is always a a constant struggle. And they've been around for a while too. They they, They they have. Yeah. This is album number four for them. Yeah. So they just didn't blow up overnight. They, they, they had to work for it. Which is good. They did I, the work, you say? Yeah, the work, you say. But the good thing about that, too, is like leading up to it is like, you know, they actually did, you know, they put in the work, and but they they gradually moved up into fame mm-hmm. instead of just being like, here's our album, and they blew up overnight. Yeah. And, and I'll be uh, talking about the, the uh, interview that Adam Biggs had done with Apple Music, because he references a lot of that and kind of how they were processing and moving forward with a lot of the songs on this record as we go through the track-by-track breakdown. Uh, lyrically, um, I know we've touched on it a bit. The it was just very, very dark, very hurt, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was depressing stuff. Yeah, man. it was it was super depressing. So when I listened to it, I was playing Mad Max at the time, game play game that came out a long time ago, and it's just like, oh, this totally fits the situation. It's desolate out here, and everything's sad. And I like when you told me the the concept of the album, I was like, I I totally didn't grasp that from that. I was thought like you know from what the lyrics say, the lyrics are super dark. I think it's like I scream into the void or whatever. I can't remember the name of the song. So long. Yeah, it's uh, the the void from which no sound escapes. There we go. That song, <laughs> that song. Uh, I like had to stop playing my game and I sat there and listened to it because I, I can do two things at once. But when they get like that dark with it, mm-hmm. I'm just like. Like when I uh, when I feed, I think the line goes like I feed poison to my kids, or they feed the poison. Basically, yeah, saying, yeah, like, like they're they're the, feeding us the poison. Yeah, the rough the rough times he have, and he's projecting it on his kids, and they're like, yeah, it's about them becoming like rising up and becoming famous, and how they have to do all this work. And I was like, totally did not get that. I thought it was like the stigma <laughs> stigma yeah. of like. No, just a bad life, man. Yeah, like as you go through the record, like it doesn't seem like that at face value, and then like once you understand their concept and what they're going coming from like then that's where things begin clicking but yeah on my first listen through before i started doing the research into this album had no idea that was the concept (laughs) i just i keep laughing because i had to text him and i was like is this a story or is this like dude just like sad and bitter like yeah it, it, it kind of like was felt reminiscent of the uh the last at the gates album where like conceptually it was about the the psychology behind nihilism and uh or excuse me not nihilism uh, pessimism and like the actual philosophy of that but when you just read the lyrics it just looks like a dude just wants to die (laughs) (laughs) but then you like learn a little bit deeper and deeper and more about like what the philosophy of of pessimism is and it begins making a lot more sense lyrically with what they did and so I, i feel like that's probably a similar situation here even though this time we don't have a philosophy that we're going off of we have more just the the lyrical content that can be applied to two different situations and i think they're overall with the lyrics are just like dude feel what you feel yeah absolutely like, okay <laughs> um then uh before we jump into the track by track breakdown we want to do break down the album artwork on this one here we see a frozen wasteland with a with like a space background on the horizon there's a large fissure down the middle of the land in the image with a frozen excuse me with a frozen house on the right side and what appears to be a decimated city with the tower left standing on the left side and that tower is being struck by lightning and cracking at the top the band name and album title are found in the bottom right corner how did this album artwork make you feel uh that nothing really mattered <laughs> in the end <laughs> honestly the destruction the the crack down the middle you got the two separate sides but they both convey like emptiness and just the apocalypse and in the grander scheme of things. And I, if you take that from what I gathered is like nothing really mattered mm-hmm. as like all the projected hate that you put on everything. I was like, in the end, did it really matter? Yeah. Did you do the work? <laughs> but you know, yeah. I, so I definitely saw it from that angle. I also saw it from the angle after learning more about the, the concept behind the album that it was, uh, like they had crossed over to the other side and what they had built in the past because their newer material doesn't sound necessarily like their older stuff that that is crumbling and leaving behind. They did the work there. They've crossed over and now they're kind of separating from that and moving on forward into what is the work and whatever comes in to LP five when that releases. Yeah. When you told me the concept five minutes before we started recording (laughs) and you know, it it changed the perspective of it for sure because it's like, Oh, well it's like they're just leaving, you know, they're, they're growing as musicians. They're becoming, you know, less, 
based in metal and adding new things in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, that, and that's something that Matt and I have talked to pretty great lengths on the podcast here before is just that evolution is healthy for a band and it doesn't necessarily mean that they stick with the same genre. Like these guys are beginning to genre bend and I don't feel like that's ever a bad thing. I mean, we saw bands like Death Heaven do it, for example. Like they basically invented post-black metal which is a weird concept to begin with, but like things like that. So like these guys here are, I I really wouldn't even know what to call it. Like, like I guess post post technical death metal. I don't don't really know. It's (laughs) like, it's like they got a little bit of, they can't cause they got prog. They got like 80 solos in there. Mm -hmm. They got like, uh, what do they call it? Like, Nightwish synthesizers in the yeah, background, the, the yeah, like and 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 just all over the place. So you can, I mean, in in one song, there's multiple instruments with projecting different genres into one just heavy song. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good. Like the musicianship, like I said earlier, is awesome. So it's like they're just taking a step forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the track by track breakdown on this one. Uh, kicking off the album, we start off with the tower theme from the work how are you feeling on this one Justin? that was the most boring song yeah on that, one. that was the most boring like yeah it picks up and everything but it's just it was, it was just so slow to get into mm-hmm. like i guess the opening song too but like it takes 50 it feels like 50 minutes to get to anything worthwhile and, yeah there yeah. wasn't really a good hook to it yeah no. I, I was kind of in the same boat there um yeah it, it was just really low and somber uh adam big stated in his apple music interview that he had this vision of the album progressing like in a cinematic experience. So the tower is like the opening credits for the album. Um, it's lyrically based in the tower tarot reading, which indicates tumultuous times are ahead, but potential growth if is there if one accepts it, which I feel like makes sense with the concept of the rest of the album. But again, not what I got when I first no. saw, heard it. <laughs> nope. But I, I definitely understand like the cinematic uh, aspect of it. I was going to say that to you. I was like, it's very theatrical. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. I was like, it builds up. I was like, that's why I kept, that's why I asked if it was a story. Because I was like, this just feels very just like. Yeah, it, it, it kind of uh, feels reminiscent of like what Architects did in uh, For Those Who Wish to Exist. I'll like, go they, even further. Like uh, Razia's Shadow. You ever heard that? I haven't, no. It's like, it's got like tons of different people on it but it's very like always building up and oh, yeah. like taking but it has more story elements to it but okay it's what it kind of reminded me of very cool i'll send you that you'll like it. absolutely i can't wait yeah it, it just was i feel like this is more of a precursor for the album and then jumping into the next track dreaming black clockwork i feel is like the real true opening track of this album that's where stuff started to get real yeah it, it, exactly like it, the, the song is just loaded with existential dread <laughs> <laughs> just like who am i what am i here for and i was like and that and that that always just keeps segueing over and over again into like the, that's why i kept like the overall theme of just like nothingness yeah it, exactly like it's just loaded with that it breaks away like in the middle of the song too from the deathcore feel to almost like deftones yeah um, like oh, that, yeah. that so that, that that's another element that Re- that the album returns to repeatedly is just like this very deft tones, like a uh, diamond eyes kind of. They even go into a little bit song. of like team sleep in there too. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause yeah, they yeah. get really like weird with it. They do. They get really, not so much in this songs, but the songs upcoming, they have like weird breaks in them. Mm-hmm. And then like very, I can't find the words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard to describe. Absolutely. It is like, and it just, it, f- it feels so sudden, but yet at the same time, like it feels like it, fits properly and i i appreciate that um then at the end of the track like it just slowly devolves into this pink noise which for those unaware what pink noise is it's literally all frequencies just balanced in volume sent at the same time it's terrible but it's phenomenal phenomenally used for sound mixing it makes you feel weird that's the purpose it, it, it makes exactly. you, makes makes you f- like a, like one of those alternative sketches that just go too long and they mm-hmm. have like the weird frequencies and it's just posted on someone's face. That's what it felt like. Yeah, it, it's very much like one of those things where it, 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 I feel like, resolves the song about the existential dread without actually resolving it. Because, I mean, at, at the end of it, like it just kind of devolves into this nothingness of all these just different frequencies that don't actually make up anything and just kind of this weird swirling effect to it and just sounds kind of icky. That's how it's supposed to make you feel. Yeah, and like, it did, they, did, they, they it did, did the work. <laughs> yeah, it did the work. Uh, then we jump into the next track, Wait. How are you feeling on this one? 
Uh, I don't think I listened to it enough to give it a solid. It it was it was good, but it didn't stick out in my mind. Mm-hmm. There's like a few tracks like, I think the, the clean was one that stuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was really good. Uh, this one didn't stick out. It was kind of like the the first song, but it had more drive to it. Yeah, this this one here, I, I'm in the the same boat there with you. It was definitely like one of the weirdest on the record. There there's one other weirder one that I'll I'll get into in a bit. Um, it doesn't really feature much unclean vocals, which is weird for a tech death band. And it th- this this is the one where it really kind of solidified the Pink Floyd comment. Yeah, um, yeah, it, and that's. I think that's what pulled me away from it is like you went, you went weird's good. I'll give you weird, but sometimes there's too weird. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And this one also features like a weird solo that kind of sounds like it'd be something off of a guns and roses song. <laughs> that, so like I said, I was playing as I was, I'd like to envision myself somewhere when I'm doing something. So I was playing Mad Max mm-hmm. and when they threw the solo in there and I was like, it just came out of nowhere. I was like, it just came, became an action movie. Cause I'm like, I'm feeling like, Driving through, I'm like, there's, I only have a limited amount of water. They're like, does it really matter? And then it's all like, and I'm like, it's <laughs> yeah, not yeah, that fast. Like, it but. goes like from all these like weird dissonant kind of uh, effects that they use on these other songs, and then just has like this major blues scale thrown into this solo, and it just it, it felt super weird. And it um, wasn't like a good like the good blues where it's like dark and like mm-hmm. kind of like sad. This is it was pretty upbeat, dude. It, it really was, and, and like I feel like this song is also just in a weird place on the record. It, because it, it is so different from music that they've done, and I'm assuming music that they've done previously. I, I listened to Owls, Where Owls Know My Name once a while ago because Matt told me to, <laughs> and then I just never revisited it. But it it just feels weird because it, it – and even Adam Biggs admits it. Like It's a weird song for them and for their existing fans but i just feel like the album hasn't really had a chance to ramp up yet to drop it down this low and so i I just feel like it's in a weird position on the album yeah there should have been more towards the end than more towards the beginning yeah i I would agree like uh the other song that really kind of fits on this vibe is maybe one day which is the second to last song in the album that one i feel like is properly placed even though i don't like the song it It was you can you can be super talented and then i'm gonna say this like and i hope no one hates me but like i got some dream theater vibes from a couple of songs and i think that was one of them yeah I, I can and, and then see that's that. where it gets boring mm-hmm. i was like yeah dude that's that's awesome you're amazing musicians it's like but sometimes musicianship if you it could be boring like yeah it, it's it, i have the same exact feeling with between the buried and me like they're all phenomenal musicians but this just bores me yeah and it's 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 like it's nothing against your musicianship it's just like i've Heard it already. Yeah. And at that point, too, it's also just, it comes down to preference. And I'm sure whenever Matt listens to this, he's just going to be screaming. Yeah. And it's all, what are you talking about? This is phenomenal. Just remember, it's subjective. I'm not saying anything bad about it. This is from my personal opinion. (laughs) I have no right to say that anything is bad. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Then we'll go ahead and jump into the fourth track on the record, Focus. Uh, This song was the first single on the record. And it's, this one really gave me feels of, like especially in the verses of kind of like a side project from Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, so I really like. There's there's a few songs on there that I really enjoy, and then there's a few songs that just rub me the wrong way. They had two back to backs. I do not like Nine Inch Nails. I've never been a Nine Inch Nails <laughs> fan. The lyrics and the lyrics in the song reflect that too. Oh, it's absolutely. Very, it's very like it's 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 very dark industrial hurt. And I'm not a big industrial fan. Like yeah. It's it's still good. Like don't I'm not saying it's bad, but after this point, they really start to go into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah the the only the only like real redeeming factor for this song for me is the drums do like just a ton of ghost notes and real quick fills throughout this song. He's a good drummer. Oh, he's super tight. He's super good. Yeah, I uh, I would drum with this dude. Oh yeah, dude. He's he's uh, he's, 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 he's tight. really really good. Like. Uh, exactly the ghost notes and all that mm-hmm. yeah i don't pay attention i'm a vocalist so i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> like the lower end n- notes of the singing really don't flow with me but the higher harmon harmonies are mm-hmm. awesome yeah that, that was one thing i noticed on this record too is it felt like the um mix was off especially vocally like the vocals just were not high enough. I feel like in a I, lot of spots. I, I I feel like that, but also I felt like that was the style they were going for too. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of bands that do that. That like, I am the one. Like it's very like you can't really understand what they're saying, but you can understand what they're mm-hmm. saying. 
and a just very low. I'm trying to think of a band that does that, and I know there's one like right off the top of my head. Deftones does it sometimes. Like yeah, Deftones definitely I, does it. I call, I call it whisper like singing. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, yeah, th- this felt like more reminiscent of of the um, uh, the new uh, Red Fang record. Like, the, yeah, the I mix. The man, no, yeah, that, the, the mix was just. I'm, I'm a huge Red Fang fan. That mix was bad. Oh, absolutely! Like I, I was ready to. Go, I wanted to do the record for the podcast here, and I went into that. I started listening to the record. I'm like, I sent Matt a message. I'm like, Hey, let's not do this one. This is terrible. <laughs> I have I have the special edition upstairs. Oh man, I, I still love them though. I'm not. Gonna I, I I love them too. It has nothing to do with them. I think they just. Got... Yeah, it was just a poor decision. On yeah, there's part. there's there's some couple, but. I think when he was doing those low singing, vo- there's parts in there where where it does muddle together, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's just low ends, unfortunately. Yeah. That's just when you play, yeah, I think music. Just, <laughs> yeah, and fuzz combined with octave combined with low singing just never fits. No, <laughs> that's why there's not a lot of bands doing it. Uh, then from there, uh, oh, one other thing I wanted to to note here is that this one felt. Like it also implemented some, like especially as it got towards the end of the song, implemented some feels of Nile, which is a a death metal band that's based the all around. Yes, <laughs> his ice watches. I'm sorry, I don't mean to go off topic, but his his double kick videos oh, that he does so are unreal. just insane. Yeah, no, I, I Nile is one of my favorite death metal bands of all time, and um, th- th- this one here gave me a, a lot of uh, feels of like uh, at the gates of Sithu, um, which. This one, this I think, I think this is a song you talked about. It got really heavy. Oh yeah, it got. I got. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I was already. Yeah, I was, I was ready like, for what? that. <laughs> because they throughout the whole album, there's only just incorporations of heavy. Like, yeah, it gets heavy for a second, and then it goes back to where it was going. Yeah. Then we jump into clean, which I believe is one that you mentioned that uh, you liked, didn't you? Yeah, I really liked the. Go ahead and bring us into that one. Uh, I think musically it was really balanced very well. Uh, the sound sounded really good, but I think overall, like it conveyed its message very well. Um, and then the balance between heavy and and you know the mm-hmm. hard the 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 clean parts were really well done. Yeah, they were. They they, they, is... they they segued very well into each part, and that's what I liked about it. The overall song just sounded really nice to listen to. Yeah, so like this is the first instance where we get to hear the theremin that they use, um, which is a very weird whistly kind of instrument. But it sounds so good. No. It sounds very good. That's I just why I, I, I really so don't much. know how to describe a theremin other than just look up a video of a theremin and you'll understand. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek is how I always think about it. Yeah, yeah, that, I could see that, or like X Files or something like that. Some some weird spacey something another. Um, yeah, this one the it has. Elements of like being about drugs. Uh, Adam Biggs in his Apple Music interview stated that like all the songs like correlate sort of in a way to a drug. So whereas like weight was marijuana and it's really more of the swirly kind of psychedelic vibe and focus is more like Adderall. Um, this one here was like I forget which one he used. I want to say he used like cocaine or something like that. Like an upper, yeah, because it, it where, where like it kind of starts off slow and then it just slowly rolls in and then just kind of hits you. Um, so, like, there's the overarching theme of that, but then the song itself is, like, about poverty and how when you're in that kind of situation, like, unless you're, unless you have a, some sort of way to pull you out of that, you don't have any way to get clean. You can't be mentally clean or physically clean because you're so strapped trying to make ends meet and stuff like that. And so, like, that, that that's kind of the overall uh, theme of this song, and I feel like that was communicated fairly well. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it was very communicated very well because when I was listening to it and I was like, I was like, no, how is like, for me, I'm a super uber positive person. Like that's yeah, it's it's almost to a fault, and I love it. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 then this song is just like it's hopelessness. It really is. Is like I want to be clean, for like a drug standpoint. It's like how I kind of took it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no matter what I do, I'm just gonna be dark. (laughs) I'm gonna be stuck here, and and it really did. Like it really hit me hard because I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, well, you you can do it. Yeah, (laughs) and I was like. You got, you got it, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's really hard for me to describe this album because I was like, I once was like that, but mm-hmm. it's hard to put myself back in that mindset too. Of course, so yeah, like, it's not like something that you want to really fall back into. No, and I, it, I, it, I won't. I was like, no, it's really like, from what you told me, I was like, oh, I'm so glad this dude is like, that's the concept <laughs> of the album because it's, it's worried. Yeah. <laughs> it's worrisome. Absolutely. Uh, then from there, we jump into the void from which no sound escapes. Oh, so my favorite one off the yeah, album. Th- th- this is definitely uh, my favorite title on the album. It's not my favorite song, uh, but it's close. 
there's harmonies, there's evil lyrics, there's death and not really death and despair, but definitely despair. Definitely despair. The despair. <laughs> the, the the kids line really hit me in a weird way because like that's the one that's the song that made me pick up my phone and be like, hey, what's up? This this guy like because <laughs> from my standpoint and like I can I can see where it's coming from because like tour on a family's hard too. I don't know mm-hmm. if they have kids or anything, but like being a dad and being away from that stuff is gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. Gonna affect your kids in some weird way. This one took into a very dark, dark. Yeah, it did. Um, su- I think this is like the darkest lyrics to me on the album. Yeah, the the really. I'm I'm just gonna read what uh, Big stated in his interview. Um, you have an audience that expects something of you, so you kind of have this monster that you need to feed. You don't want to betray what they want, but you also want to be yourself. A lot of times when I'm writing lyrics, I'm putting my worst feelings down, and then I'll hear people sing them back to me at a show like it's nothing. So you've got people repeating these painful things you feel, and you wonder what that does to everyone involved. And I feel like that really just yeah. kind of... Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, like th- th- there's no better way to put it. <laughs> I mean, because if you carry stress around with you and you have family members and you don't deal with the stress correctly, it doesn't matter, and like... In any profession, even mm-hmm. you know, just, you're, it's gonna lash out. It's gonna affect other people around you. That stuff does affect like people. And that song, that strong, that song stuck to me really hard for some reason. I, I don't know why. I just really reflected on it. I, like I guess from growing up as a kid and just mm-hmm. seeing like friends and just people the way they acted and stuff. It just really, that's really good song. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I I agree with you. I really like this song. Um, my favorite song though is gonna be the song that follows, entitled "More" with a question mark. This song was a, a, a continuation of uh, of the theme that the void from which no sound escapes had, but this one really is more of kind of like a sarcastic approach of, okay, so you want more? Well, I have more, but I don't want to give it to you because it's mine to give and not yours to take. And I feel like it definitely represented the feelings that I personally would have in their situation, more along the lines of the fact that like like he said like the audience is a monster to feed and i don't want to feel like i'm giving up a part of myself so i can feed somebody else when i'm really taking away parts of me and so i feel like that's why i identified with this song a little bit more but and then this one's also like just the heaviest on the record which you know y'all know yeah yeah i i uh i did enjoy this song it's it's probably the next best one because i like how heavy it is uh, and the theme of it, like, it's like, I don't want to give you what I have. It's like, why did you, what did you earn from this? Mm-hmm. It's like the whole overall idea I got from it is like, why do I have to give it to you? Yeah. Cause like did ultimately you... the audience doesn't really earn anything. Sure. You went out and you paid your $5 or you streamed in. So the artist got paid five cents. But at the end of the day, like all, all you are doing is listening. You, the, these guys have put in 10 plus years of, of working on their craft, but then they put in an additional year and a half on writing and perfecting and working with each other. And sometimes bands don't like each other. So they have to work with people they don't like, <laughs> which I've never understood that. Like, I feel like if you're going to be in a band, much less a touring band, you need to like each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Never understood bands that hate each other, but th- th- that that's just a different conversation entirely. <laughs> but yeah, um, this one also has a really super gnarly uh, solo in here. And while I'm really of the opinion that wah effects are overused and boring, it actually adds a really cool element of dissonance and chaos to this one. It depends on what it, what type of song you're going for, but yeah, exactly. like this one, called for it. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It, it's, it, it's not Metallica where wah is needed in every solo. No, no, <laughs> it's, it it makes it fits it fits the song. The reason for that is is because the song's already so abstract as it is. Mm. It's heavy, but all the whole album is abstract. Absolutely, yes. So it just adds to it and it doesn't take away from anything. Because I mean, if you use a wah pedal correctly. It's gonna sound good. Mm-hmm. It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound exactly how you want it to. It's gonna sound ominous, and it's gonna just fit overall inside. Even if it's just like wah wah wah, if you make it work right, mm-hmm. it'll make it sound good. That's Absolutely. It. That's just yeah. and and they definitely did it right. They made it sound good in this song, and I'm I'm a fan of it. Like I said, this is my favorite song on the album. I mean, it's not really overused in the album either. No, at all. not at all. Not I at feel all. like. From my recollection, I feel like that's the only use of it that we saw. Maybe once other. Yeah, but it, it didn't. And you could put effects on it to make it not sound like a wall pedal. Exactly. Yeah. Then we jump into the Tower Two, which uh, this song is a continuation of the first The Tower, which is the first song on the album, and just kind of serves as a bridge to continue, as a bridge to continue to work, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> behind the concept of the album, um, there really isn't much input that I have on this song. I was just about to say, I was like. Meh. 
Yeah, it, it had like a weird country feel to it, which I mean, just like added on the list of, of things that this album did. It's like, it's like you could conquer as many genres as you want, but like some genres just shouldn't be mixed in there, especially yeah. when you go into oh. something, an album like this. Honestly, honestly at this point, I'm just kind of waiting for a salsa break to come. <laughs> some rockets pop out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. We've got to. Because they gotta... had some really cool transitions into like some really heavy stuff from, from mm-hmm. really just like ominous clean stuff. Not. Yeah, the, the only thing that stayed like consistently, like tech death throughout the album, was really the drums. But he did it in such a way that he was still able to incorporate a lot of those different styles into the tech death drumming that he was doing. And I, it's while everybody on the album's talented, the drummer I think is by oh, far the, the best. The drummer, <laughs> the drummer is like he's like I really like jazz. It's like how can we tell? He's like listen to this album, and you're like oh you can you really like jazz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, from the tower, from tower two, we jump into episode. Um, musically, we return to the Deftones death vibes that we set up in songs like Dreaming Black and Clockwork. Uh, this song really kicks in, in at about like a minute or so, and the lyrics become really heavy. And Adam explains that it's really about how parts of a musician die and how they have to keep moving forward. So this kind of goes back to the the touring thing, like you you're out on tour, like you're gonna miss important moments in your life. You're gonna miss kids' first dance recital or mom's passing away and like you're missing the final part where she's coherent before you're able to fly home and get to her and and stuff like that and these situations are all too common and unfortunately media outlets provide us with a lot of that information so that's how we know about it but yeah this this song was really uh if i could remember correctly is like they're supposed to be like an ominous being over us, and it just feels like it's not there. Yeah, yeah like it, that, exactly. That, that, like, that, that's what I was taking away from this. And like, it coincides with it saying, it's just like, what have I gained? What have I lost? And it's just like, you're supposed to help me, but there's nothing there to help me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I got. I think this is the song that I gathered that from, and I was like, oh, that's really dark too. Yeah, like, and like, you're just, you continue working towards this, and in the end, like, there, there, there's nothing there for you other than just like what you've accomplished. And I feel like it's, the fear also of getting to that point too. Like you get to the point where you've completed, you've put all of this work, all of your time has been associated with this and now it's complete. And now who are you now that it's complete? It's so freaking sad. Yeah. It it, it actually reminds me of, um, inside the Bo Burnham special that released on Netflix. He had that, there was that whole overarching element to it as well. And for those who haven't seen it, I do recommend it. Uh, it is not something that I would recommend. If you're watching sad, if just you're... yeah, just if you're sad, just don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, if you're sad, don't watch it. And if you go in expecting a full-on comedy special, don't. Yeah, <laughs> there's parts of it are funny. There's parts of that make you really think. And yeah, like... it, it really just going off on another tangent here. Um, it, it did a really phenomenal job of chron- chronicling the demise of mental health over the course of the pandemic, and I feel like that's why it was so amazing, as opposed to. Bo Burnham just being a funny songwriter. He's just. I, I've always loved Bo Burnham, even see, back when he was singing songs in his attic. Yeah, see, I, I was actually the direct opposite. I didn't like the dude. Yeah. And then I started like really looking like as he grew as a person, and I was like, you are ungodly smart. Yeah. You are ungodly talented. And I was like, you market yourself so well. And I was like, the stuff you talk about is relevantly funny to everybody. Mm-hmm. It was like, you've seen these people, you know some of this stuff. He's smart. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's like, I can't, I can't praise the dude enough. I'm like, I used to hate the guy too. You got to remember like, but then I learned like growing up and then all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, really what you're about. And I feel like that, that album, you can take away the same sentiment from Bo Brenham with Rivers of Nile for this album too. So I was like, yeah, I, I can definitely, like I see we, we the, drew, growing, drew the correlation. Yeah. <laughs> the growing and like mental health issues from like, if you take inside and you listen to this, you're like, I totally get it. Like, yeah. Just don't listen to these two together. Like, no, no, no. Like you like watch watch inside and you go directly to this album. You'll be miserable. <laughs> Unless misery is just your cup of tea, then in that case, go for it. Not, I, I, I wouldn't recommend it being your cup of tea, but if you like cup of teas with misery in them, then, then <laughs> there <yeah>. you go. <laughs> um, this one, the the super. There's a super cool solo in this one. It's got like that super weird classical, almost like a. Uh, flight of the bumblebee kind of feel to it that they're doing this this one stood out yeah this one was definitely not like hey awkward solos like now this one fit and it was it was it stood out it, it was phenomenal like this is one that i definitely personally am gonna learn because i just i loved it so much i don't play guitar but i can tell you that it was the best solo probably off the album 
Definitely. Because if you go through and you listen to them and you're like, I think this is the solo that I heard that I walked out and I walked into my roommate and I was like, hey, you'll like this album. You'd like the guitar work on it. Yeah. I was like, you'll move past the, the 80s solos, but you know. Nice. Yeah. Th- th- and this one also, unfortunately, brings back the return of the dreaded saxophone in metal music. Um, you want me to be honest about this? Every time that saxophone came in, I was for it. I was so for it, dude. This is where we defer. <laughs> I cannot stand saxophone and metal music anymore. You like, do it right. Dude, it, it, it gave it such a just, I was like, it, it, okay, so I'll tell you the reason why I like the saxophone so much. Bring it. There's a band called Trophy Scars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like a hardcore, like a hardcore, like they play hardcore music, and then they also play blues. So they're moving more towards, more towards the blues, and they would throw saxophone souls inside there all the time. They are playing more bluesy. But mm-hmm. those breakdowns they were playing, they weren't really breakdowns. I'm just saying they were breaking from the music. Uh very blues vibe mm-hmm. with those saxophones and I was for it. It reminded me of a Tom Waits song for some reason too as well. So I'm just like, if you do it correctly, like inside metal, like if you just have and there's a saxophone behind it, it won't go for it. But the way they did it gave it a very blues Tom Waits vibe to I me. I feel like at this point, it's one of those things <clears throat> where it's more along the lines of it's a novelty that's thrown into music. And so while this album may have done it in such a way that it really like was more to add to the song itself. Like there has been so many different metal bands that have just thrown it in there because they can. And that's the problem that I I think I have with it. It's not necessarily the song itself. It's just the overuse of saxophone and metal in general. I'm so glad I haven't gotten to that point in metal yet. (laughs) It's just like, what do you hate? It's just like, they throw too much saxophone in this metal song. And I'm like, Oh, this is new to me. Please, please go on. Oh, that's your issue. Okay. I can work with that. (laughs) I've never heard that before. That's so new. You got to send me some of these songs. It's like, here's that saxophone solo I was telling you about. I can definitely do it that, um, but yeah, like just for example, the new at the gates album had it, the, the Tesseract incorporated into their music. (laughs) Ghost incorporated into their last album. Like I'm just, like what happened you, to ghost i don't want to talk i don't even want to think about ghost anymore they, they completely ruined ever me ever listening to them again their first album was a masterpiece and everything after that it's just weird prequel is one of my favorite albums ever the newer one is it a newer one that album. okay the new dude the new singer the guy they got is he comes off so pretentious to me and it bothers me so much what if i told you it's the same singer really yeah he sounds different yeah it's 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 been uh, I forget the guy's name off the top of my head, but um yeah it's for every ghost singer every new Papa Emeritus it's all the same guy. Oh well, I'm having respect for him for changing his voice. Yeah, I don't like a, your new Tobias something. I, I, I don't like I don't name. like your new iteration of yourself. <laughs> um, now back on track here. Um, <laughs> we'll go to the the second to last song here is maybe one day. <clears throat> this uh, this song is really odd and out of place. Lyrically, it fits the the concept of the album, but yeah, it's I'm not a fan of this one. I found it interesting. Yeah. Really, honestly, I like they took weird directions in it. I think there's like it's like super sporadic for a couple of seconds too mm-hmm. in there, and it's, it goes off the wall. Yeah, it just kind of goes off the wall a little bit. Yeah, like it doesn't structurally, musically, it doesn't fit in the album. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't as a song. Like if you just showed yeah, me as, as a, a standalone song. song, it's fine. It's just in, but in the context, relation. yeah, in the context, if you went from one to another, it doesn't fit. Yeah, and I it's mean, weird. we go from from episode, which is really like a like a blend between like Deftones and tech death metal. Like it, it's <laughs> the the Deftones vibes are just so heavy in this album, and I, I like I like it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I do. I really like Deftones, and Diamond Eyes is one of my favorite albums. Like. It's in my top 50 albums of all time. I don't know why they can consider new metal. I don't. Because they were lined up in that with like Around the Fur and uh, White Pony and stuff like that. I like them. Mm-hmm. I like Deftones. I really don't like new metal. So I was like, that's saying something. And yeah, yeah, Deftones compared to like Corn or Limp Biscuit, they're very different bands. They're super different. I was like, if you want to, like, I can see them touring with Corn mm-hmm. just because they're like, oh, they're both heavy. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, they both make one, just one scat and, yeah, one <laughs> scats and one doesn't. I mean, yeah. They, they, also, there's a new revival of corn memes lately. Like people are just picking up corn and then doing the, mm, da, mm, and I love it. I can't, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I didn't like middle school me. He liked corn and mushroom head. Yep. He had terrible taste in music. Mudvayne. Oh man, I remember my Mudvayne days. <laughs> hey, you know what? That the dig is will always be a good song. Absolutely, man. it will. Uh, yeah. The, 
this one also had like this weird like phase effect going on throughout it. Like I said, it's a good song. It just, it, yeah, it really I just, did. They, I feel like they put too many effects in this this one. They yeah. went a little bit overboard. They, they, they definitely did. It felt like they just like went to the chorus machine like, and just turned it up. They're like, the, the album's wrapping up. Can you tell? And it's like, we can kind of tell. I was like, we, you, you're getting weird. Mm-hmm. You want to elaborate on that? And they're like, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, we did the thing. What's the thing? Yeah. It's like, is this song, is this... <laughs> I think this this is probably one of the longer songs on the album too. A little bit, yeah, and it gets um, on the little longer side. Yeah, and then finally finishing out the album, we do have the longest song on the album coming in at about eleven minutes. Oh my god! Terrestria four work. Um, so I, I looked back at previous albums. The Terrestria series is just something that they do on every album. So they do a Terrestria at the end of every album. So this one, obviously, being work. Uh, this is just capping off the album, and honestly, I feel like this is where the album like fully tries to peak i don't know that that was that that would not be the way that i personally would go about it but i understand how and why they did it because this is like the final the work is done this is what we've created this is what we've done now here's our offering on the table to you and here's here's the payoff that that. you get exactly and I, i respect that it's it's super heavy and so many parts they incorporate so many different things into it and it's one of those songs that doesn't feel like it's 11 minutes. I think it just feels best, like a soundscape. It has the best transitions in the song, too. Absolutely. Yeah, like the way they... they and it's really just like for a quick second, like I like I think I stopped and went back because I think like halfway through the, the song, there's like a really good, like soft, heavy mm-hmm. like transition. I was like, that's nice. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it, it also kind of gave me like... Um, it, felt kind of like uh, The Observer was with the Acacia Strain, whereas like that 27-minute song that they had done back on Coma Witch. Don't where, be mad at me, but I've never listened to them. Oh, I listened to I listened to Amir. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but so, so they have a song off of their 2014 album called Coma Witch, the, and that song is called The Observer. It's the final song on the album. If you were to buy it, you would get your own, the, the whole second disc, or if you bought it on vinyl, then the one side is all the observer and it's just this 27 minute masterpiece that just like incorporates all these super low down tuned open parts but then it goes into like these really clean spooky kind of bits where they have like these sound bites that are talking over it and I I feel like this had effects of that whereas that one was really more just like a doom oriented yeah it was just low slow heavy and, and, and brevi, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit theatrical too. Like I was saying, exactly. the, whole, the whole album is theatrical, but this is like this, the, this, this is this, the the, this is the wrap up. Yeah, this is where it's like dun dun, and you're like yeah, dun, dun, and you're like yeah, yeah exactly. It, and so like I, I really dig this song. I feel like it is where the album peaks uh, in terms of like just overall buoyancy, and I I, I like this song. I, I feel like this good, is a good good ender on the album. That's what I was saying. It's a good way to end the album. Yeah, but that is going to do it on our uh, track-by-track breakdown of the work by Rivers of Nile. Now what we're going to go ahead and do is move into our tentacle rating on the podcast. Uh, so, Dipper, why don't you go ahead and bring us in on that one. On a scale of one to eight tentacles, how are you feeling on this one? Uh, Probably about a five. Yeah. I was like, uh, I've never listened to him before, and like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan. But musically and lyrically, what they were trying to convey, I understood. I was like, I can't say anything bad. There was just some parts I didn't understand that didn't reflect well to me it wasn't a bad album at all Mm -hmm. i'll tell you i've heard bands that try to do different things that just don't pan out and work they i really liked it i like i felt like it had a a story to me and that's what really kept me listening i was like i could have turned it off halfway through but Mm -hmm. it kept me listening honestly it was it was it was a good album so yeah salt five out of eight absolutely yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat there like it wasn't it by no means was like my favorite album that i've that i've gone over with matt or or and in, have intend to go over here in the future but at the same time like it had a lot of really cool elements to it yeah it, they, stuck, yeah, it stood it, out it was different they 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 managed to shake it up and do something different and interesting and like mad props to them for that because they, they didn't create the same album again they they didn't I, I saw nowhere, no indication of anything that they recreated where Owls Know My Name or recreated Monarchy or anything like that. Like, this was still Rivers of Nile while still being completely unique and still being a natural progression of evolution for the band. I appreciate bands like that. Exactly. I, like, I feel like that's 
one of the biggest signs that you're mature as a band is that you are willing to grow into directions that may not necessarily be comfortable for what you've done in the past. And instead of recreating the same album over and over, you're willing to kind of take those steps out in faith and create something. And especially with these guys, like they just really hit it big on their last album. They started touring full time and to do something, honestly, this for lack of a better term, weird, I feel like that was a really big, uh, a really bold move for them, and I commend them for it. Yeah, I'm same boat with you. I think they did a, a fantastic job. Take it, if you like. There's some bands, like I said, that do it, and I'm, I'll probably you probably get hate for this, but like Bring Me the Horizon did it wrong. Mm-hmm. The way they, not not their earlier stuff, but the way they're doing it now, is super cookie cutter. Like yeah, they, they don't like they don't after, incorpor- or incorporate anything new. Yeah, I feel like anything after Amo. Um, really did that like they they were really kind of they became trendsetters for the longest time Amo was the last thing they did and now it feels like they're just trying to incorporate everything they're trying to appease old fans but also trying to incorporate these pop elements so they bring in new people from the radio and then just have these weird things like Kingslayer which is off their last album and I hate that song oh yeah I I listened to it is that the Youngblood in it no that's the one with the um the I, I forget her name. The one from uh, Baby Metal. They, that I love Baby Metal. So like I love <laughs> I love that they did that for them. But like yeah, their last couple of songs have just been really bad and no mm-hmm. no no growth. Like these dudes is what I'm trying to lead into is like the way that they did this is musically like genius. Like mm-hmm. it's like hey, we didn't incorporate just some like bogus hand claps or anything like that. Yeah. It's like it's like. <laughs> Yeah, we like Dream Theaters, like we can tell, but like you, you tried to do it your own way. Like yeah. even though it still came off Dream Theater or Deftones, you still tried to do it your yeah, own the, way. The, and that's mad props those to sources you. of elements of bands that you like and, and want to uh, like have some sort of objectification with them, and that's okay. How long's been around? I always look at this. How long's around? How long has the human race been around? I was like, you're always gonna, you know. Pay homage to somebody yeah, that you no, respect. Nobody's truly original. original they're anymore. just taking, there's no way. Yeah, they're they're just taking bits and parts and creating something original out of those bits and parts. And I mean that that's acceptable. I, I accept that. Oh, I do too. I love the album. Yeah, but at that at this point, we'll go ahead and call this one to a close uh, for finishing up the work by Rivers of Nile. Uh, now we'll go ahead and move into the hidden track here, where we're going to talk about something unrelated to this album. Uh, Dipper, why don't you go ahead and start us off here on this one? What do you got today? Just anything? Absolutely. Yeah, just uh, something music related, musically related. Uh, I just dropped something, but I don't want to talk about me. Uh, I'll talk about you, man. This, this is your time. This is your time uh, to speak to all four of my listeners. <laughs> all four of your listeners. Hey, guys, or girls, or whatever you want to be. I don't I don't judge. Uh, we just put out a, a song called Hive Mind um, and a video with it. And it's just not about following people. It's like you can be your own person. You don't have to listen to someone else tell you what you have to do. Be your own self. I guess it's kind of a hidden track. Um, Absolutely. And that was uh, featuring Dean... Dean Bose from uh, Doses, which is a band in New Jersey. Uh, Dean is famous on another level, though, too. He's he's a $5 hot dog guy. Which, (laughs) When I heard his vocals, and I was like, I love your vocals, and he did the song for us, and I was like, I love your vocals even more, man. He's super talented. Absolutely, yeah. No, it it was super cool. I've been jamming it since it released on Friday, and I'm loving it, man. Oh, thank you. That really touched me. Everybody was like, it's really cool. My mom's like, I like your video, and I can understand what you're saying. And I was like, that's, I made it as a musician. That yeah, was your, it. your mom likes your music. Yeah. Mom's like, you're going to be famous. And I was like, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 mom. Did you hear it? <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, um, this week for me, I wanted to uh, to bring up the new Trivium track that they released uh, called The Phalanx. Now, it's it's pretty well known that Trivium is my favorite band. Uh, this new track is so sick. Oh, I'm so like I said, I I, I love Trivium. Uh, the only parts I don't like are his clean vocals, unfortunately. It's just, but musician wise, him as a as a musician, period, oh, yeah. he's a such a respectful. They are dude. all stupid amounts of talented. I and they're very wholesome and oh, absolutely. Caring, they're, they're dude. The, <laughs> Matt is such a dad joke guy. It's not even funny. My roommate knows all. That's how I know about trivia yeah. like more than I do. And he shows like his, his Twitch is funny, his streaming's funny. I was like, he's just a nice dude. Yeah, and that makes me love the band. Like, I mean, if you're just a nice dude, I was like, I can work past some unclean vocal. I mean, some clean vocals, dude. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna listen to your musicianship. I was like, if you're really that good of a person, I was like, I could bypass that stuff. Really, yeah, like, I can. All of their musicianship is just 
there's a level above 10 that's not 11 and it's higher than that how do you play guitar and, and sing and scream I like i don't know <laughs> like I, I as a guitarist I, I consider myself to be pretty advanced i can play a lot of what they're able to play i cannot do that while doing something else i can't be watching something i can't be talking i can't be singing doing anything with it i have to be solely focused on that so the fact that his brain is on that level like it, it, it's kind of in the same way that drummers are where drummers have to be sometimes doing four different things at once with both legs and both arms he's basically doing that between his hands and and what he's singing like it, it's just unreal and that the the phalanx is a prime example of that because like the whole song is just it's stupid amounts of riffage crazy solos and it just it's so phenomenal it's heavy too it, yeah exactly that's a good song it's a really good song i was like oh this is a good song i i am just continually more and more excited for in the court of the dragon to drop in there's another the band that 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 progressively gets better yeah and they grow as musicians too because they like their, their their musicianship their technicality mm-hmm. as a band has gotten since they added Alex Bent from, uh, for, he was originally in Battlecross, and he started playing with them when they released The Sin and the Sentence. Each album has progressively gotten better, and I keep telling myself, how can they get, how can they get better? And each time they've gotten better, and I honestly am expecting that at this point for this for the next album. Yeah, and it already sounds good. Yeah, I, already... I'm, I'm I'm so excited to to talk about that one when it releases. Watch if that's the worst song off the album. Right? Like, you're like, you're like, like if oh, that's the, the worst song off the album, then I'm I'm. I'm just gonna die happy. Yeah, no, it's gonna. Like it's you, gonna... you can just bury me in a casket with a vinyl of In the Court of the Dragon whenever that gets <laughs> released because they're not currently doing pre-sales with it because there's all sorts of vinyl shortage issues because everything from China is bad. <sighs> oh yeah, dude. Uh, my Every Time I Die cave-in split right up there mm-hmm. took. They had a problem with it. it. Took like three months to get here. Oh man, it hurts my heart. As a, just as as a vinyl lover, it hurts. It's seven inches too. That's like the weirdest oh, thing. Man. Like it's just a seven inch. It's right there. Yeah. Now people are selling it for a hundred dollars. So cool. That's ridiculous. I paid fourteen. There you go. <laughs> but that is going to do it for us today, guys. We do appreciate you taking the time to listen and chat with us. Uh, if you would like to connect with us, we are available on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on YouTube at Tentacle Bop. We're not on Twitter because Twitter's icky, and nobody's hit us up to start beef yet. So once uh, once it's time to start Twitter beef, then I'll create a Twitter. Uh, please do also write, like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, on Pod, um, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen to us. Uh, and next week, we're going to be discussing the new Dayseeker album, which uh, I'll likely have another guest for since Matt is lame and is out of town because he feels like he has to make money doing work or something like that. <laughs> I mean, you don't need a job to live. Exactly. Capitalism bad. Yeah. Money good. <laughs> money good. I don't know. We like money. Yep. But appreciate it, guys. Catch you later.